Wave at your other neighbor and say, you look good today. You have that Holy Spirit swag on you. It is good to be in the presence of the Lord. I, I don't know if you feel like me, but I feel the sweet presence of God in this place. The Bible says in Psalm 22 that you are enthroned amongst the praises of your people. When you praise the Lord, the presence of God comes, and God is the God, he calls himself Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. If you have a need, he provides it. He calls himself Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. If you have a sickness of the body or the soul, he can heal it. He calls himself the Alpha, the Omega. There's no part of your life that he doesn't know. He was there at the beginning, and he will be there at the end. So praise the Lord and feel his presence. It's a joy to be with you this morning, and I, um, quick announcement, we encourage you to join us for Bible study on Wednesday at 8 p.m. We're going through the end times, and if you look at what's going on out there, I feel, you know, every generation feels like they're in the end times, right? But I feel like right now we're, we're even more closer to the end times than the generation before because of the technology that we see, because of certain things that we see. So join so that, join us for Bible study on Wednesday at 8 p.m. so you're not caught unprepared for when those times comes upon us. On this note, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me in 1 Samuel 18, verse 5 to 9. Uh, um, uh, uh, when I come, when it's my turn to preach, uh, we're in a series called uh, After God's Own Heart, right? Um, we can pursue a lot of things in this world. We can have a lot of goals in this world, but if we're not after God's own heart, it's all in vain. So we are digging in the life of the one man in the Bible that God has called a man after his own heart, and that's David. So please open your Bibles with me in 1 Samuel verse 18, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5 to 9. And it goes like this, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officials as well. When the men were return, returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. And, and as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me, only thousands? What more can I, can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Father God, we pray that you speak to us today, that you put aside the men and that you let the Holy Spirit speak to its people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the verse that we start starts with one, you know, phrase says, whatever mission, whatever mission, and, and that brings us back to our previous, thank you, that's next slide, whatever mission, that brings us to what we saw so far. We saw so far in chapter 16 that David was available to God. 
right? David was a young man and they told him, come, he came. They told him, went, he went. And he was always available. He was always willing to help. He was not like, oh, no, why are you asking me type of person? He was always willing to help. So he was available. And so the first step to being a, a person after God's own heart is you need to be available to him. Like the song says, Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. Uh, when you go into your private place, when you go into your closet, you need to take a time and just surrender to God and say, God, I'm here. Whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. I am available to you. If you want to use me in that way, I'm available. If you want to use me in this way, I'm available. And so we see that David, in, in this passage, Saul could send David on whatever mission, whatever mission David was sent on, he would go and he would succeed. Now we understand that those missions that they're referring to are battles, right? And, 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 and David gets propelled into the public eye with a battle, the, 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 the great battle of David and Goliath, right? He came one morning to give food to his brothers that were, his, his father sent him to the battlefield to give food to, to his older brothers and he saw a giant threatening and challenging the armies of the Lord, and all the warriors are afraid. If you are to be a man after and a woman after God's own heart, when you're put on the spot, you need to be able to be bold and courageous. And that's what we see in David. And when he was facing Goliath, he was bold, bold enough to say, hey, this giant, even though he's nine feet tall, shouldn't talk about the armies of God. And, and he got in front of the king and, and said to the king, don't worry, I got this. But he's a 17 year old fighting a giant that's nine feet tall. He was bold, bold enough to get in front of the king, but courageous enough to go down and fight the giant, because he understood that the fight was not his, the fight was the Lord's. And we say David and Goliath, and we think that David was the underdog, but Goliath was the underdog, because Go David had to face a giant, but Goliath had to face a God. Uh, David had to face a sword, but Goliath had to, had to face the Lord. And, and, and the Lord will always win. God will always win. If you fight with God, God will always win. So we see that you can be available to God. You must be bold and courageous. And so David, in whatever mission he was doing, he was successful. So then we ask ourselves, what is success? What is success? And it's uh, that word that, that, that is translated in successful is a very deep word. It's one of those words in Hebrews that has a lot of meanings. Uh, but uh, the core of it means to be prudent, to be, to show oneself attentive and to, to show oneself to understand and to make wise. Some of the version of the Bibles, if you read those passages with that word, it would say that David behave wisely. And in scripture, we see that success is linked to wisdom. You cannot have godly success if you don't have godly wisdom. And, and it's funny because even to soldiers that their main job is to fight, God tells them to acquire wisdom. And we see that in Joshua, right? When Joshua was about to go conquer the promised land. And so that's a fight, right? They're about to go and they're about to fight their way to conquering the promised land. God tells to, tells Joshua, sorry, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law 
my servant Moses gave you, do not turn from it to the to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And, and so in God's economy, success is linked not to money, but to wisdom. It's not linked to wealth, but to wisdom. That's why Jesus, giving the parable of the rich man, says tonight, you fool. So the, the rich man had built the barns and they had a lot of wealth, but it says tonight, you fool, your soul will be required of you. So you can have all the wealth of this world, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. You can have all the prosperity of this world, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, you have nothing. And so real success is not only wealth, it's wisdom. And we see that David was able to live and act with wisdom. So now my fear for our generation is that we just go through the motions. It's just that we live a life just going through the motions, right? With no um, intent behind it. With no intent behind it. But we see in, 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 in David's life that he was not only available to God, not only bold and courageous, but his boldness and courage was then backed up with diligent and effective. David was diligent and effective. Sadly, we live in a time we're so distracted with everything that we can just let ourselves go with the motions, right? Because everything is mapped out for us, right? You go to school, you get, and then afterwards you graduate, you get a job, and then you just go in the cycle. You just go through the cycle. And that's why they say, the, the motivational speaker, they like to say, it, most people die in their 30s, but they just wait decades for the funeral to make it official. They die early on. But it just takes decades for it to become official. But I believe that God is calling us to be diligent and effective, to be intentional about how we live our lives, to be diligent. Diligence is to be constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken, persistent exertion of body and mind is, is to be intent and to be on it and stay on it and to apply yourself to it and that's diligence but an effectiveness is to be adequate to accomplish a purpose producing the intended expected result right so diligence goes to your efforts goes to your heart and effectiveness goes to your result and and this morning I want to maybe open your eyes something that you might not have realized is that God is concerned mainly with your diligence, right? God looks at the heart. God looks at your effort. Men are concerned mainly with your effectiveness. Man doesn't care about your heart. When's the last time when you went on Amazon and you're concerned with the heart of the person? You're not concerned with the heart. You're just concerned that in two days it's going to be at your door. Actually, now sometimes the same day. That's pretty effective. Now, I don't care what's going on in this guy's life. I care that my packet is here in two days. But guess what? God, don't worry too much about the packet. God worries about the heart. And so God is worried about your diligence, your effort in, in, in your life, in every aspect of your life. A lot of times we limit God to a box as a church, but God is not worried only about the church. God is worried about your whole life. And he wants you to be intelligent and diligent about every aspect of your life and to be intentional. 
And God looks at your effort. So that's why when, when the end of time comes, God is not going to do, okay, you have this result. No, he's going to say, well done, because he's going to have seen your heart and your courage, your, 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 your works. If you read the seven churches of the apocalypse of the book of Revelation, you'll see that God is intent not only about the result, but intent about their heart, their first love. Intent about their, their, their intention and what they're trying to say. Okay. I know that you don't have a lot of power, but you kept my word. He says, don't go left or right from my word. Keep my word. And so this today, I want to challenge all of us to be diligent and effective, to be diligent and effective in every aspect of our lives, because every aspect of our lives is to glorify God. There's a saying that says there's not one inch of creation that Christ doesn't cry mine. So every aspect of your life belongs to him. So first be diligent and effective when it comes to your physical health. A lot of times we neglect that aspect of our lives and now we're in a pandemic. So it's brought to the forefront. And, and, and if I can have a parenthesis, I have beef with our authorities, right? Um, I'm not a rebel. Don't get me wrong. I'm not doing no revolution, but I have beef because our officials, when it came to the pandemic, they told us, um, to stay home. They told us to wear a mask. They told us to, but they did not tell us how to prepare if the virus comes. They told us, you know what, and if you get the virus, they told, tell you, go home. And they don't tell you what to do. And then if it gets really bad, then you go to the hospital and then they, they get to bill your insurance. So if you have some with a big amount of money. And, and, and when you get sick, yes, you can repair the body, but I find it better when you prepare the body for whatever comes. And everything that is left unattended will decay. Anything that you don't pay attention to, the trajectory is down. Your body is the same. Your soul is the same. Your, your finances are the same. If you don't pay attention to them, they will decay. Um, it's like if you go, if you ever been to the mall and those escalators, when I was young, we used to go in the subway and just for fun, the elevator, the escalator is going down and we're just going up on that escalator, right? But guess what? If you don't do anything, what happens? You go backwards. If you don't do anything for your body, guess what? It's going to change. Right now, you're 17 years old. You eat all the burgers you want. Nothing happens. Fast forward to 37 years old. You eat a burger. Boom. Boom. Out of the blue. It's going to come. Trust me. Actually, sometimes I take my pictures. I got to tuck it in a little. <laughs> because that's going to stay a long time. Right? So I got to tuck it in. Can I get an amen? No, you're all young. So that hasn't happened yet. But it will happen. I guarantee you that, that, that if you do not... It take care of the body it is going to decay. And taking care of the body is very simple. I have good news. It's not complicated. There's a lot of complicated studies that tell you why you should do this, why you should do that. And those studies are very complicated. They study the microbiome and the cells and all of that big words. But you can sum it up to four things. And it's good news. One is nutrition. What you eat. And you know what's good for you and you know what's bad for you. Bottom line, if men made it, not so good. If God made it, probably good, right? So what your mom was telling you all the time, eat your vegetable, all of that. So if God made it, good. If men made it, burger, whatever, nah, not so good, right? Now, I'm not saying never had it, right? I, I had ribs yesterday. Man, hallelujah for ribs. Amen. Oh, man. No, that, 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 that is God-given Food, amen. But not every day. Not every day. 
Not every day. But once in a while, yes, have your ribs. Yes, have your... But on a constant basis, nourish your body with what is going to empower. And what they're finding now is that a lot of the food that is available to us, the good natural food, serves as healing and sometimes is more powerful than a medicine. So why are you going to wait? I was reading a book, and what they found is that when people die of whatever cause, right? They find a lot of times the cells that might develop to become cancer. If, God forbid, you get diagnosed with cancer, what happens? You're going to get chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is them getting chemicals and shooting them into your body and destroying all the cells, good and bad, right? But the goal is to destroy the bad cells so then they can rebuild with the good cells, right? But it's constant injection of chemicals in your body. Right now, you can have your own sort of chemotherapy by injecting in your body the good cells, the good food that then only attack the bad cells and, and, and restore and empower the good cell in you. So your nutrition is 80% of your health. And then exercise. Exercise. Guess what? There's a trail by my house and sometimes I go ride my bike and guess what? I never see almost. I never see black people. I only see white people. There's a little bit. But then we wonder why you look at healthcare, black people that got more problems than white people. They say if exercise was a pill, it would cure Alzheimer's. All the top 10 causes of death would be made better just with exercise. Now, you don't have to necessarily go to the gym. The gym is good. But you can take a walk. A walk is exercise. And so unless you're on a, and if you're on a wheelchair, wheeling your chair around is exercise. But you have to get your body moving. You have to. And that was not a problem for David because that's all they did, right? They exercise all the time. And then so you have nutrition, exercise, and then water and hydration. Water and hydration. Water is life. Water is life, and you cannot underestimate the power. And all of those, whether it's nutrition, it's water, and the last one, sleep and stress management. If you improve on those, you reduce your chances of the top 10 deaths. The only one maybe that's not affected that much, and maybe still, is accident, right? Like, I mean, if, if the plane, the thing falls on your house, I mean, what you going to do, Right? But otherwise, all the uh, healthcare, uh, what's it called, um, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, uh, um, diabetes, uh, uh, Alzheimer's, all of those diseases are rendered better if you take care of your nutrition, your exercise, your water, your sleep. And sugar, cut the sugar. Sugar is like sin. Sugar is like sin. You know sin? When you do it, it feels good. Don't lie, you know, it feels good. You feel like, uh, but then guess what? Afterwards, you always regret it. It's the same thing with sugar. Everything left unattended will decay. So be diligent and effective in your physical health and then be diligent and effective in your professional life, in your professional wealth. So we see the second part of our verse. It says, so God, um, Saul sent him on whatever mission, and then it says, David was so successful, Saul gave him a high rank in the army. 
Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. Production precedes, precedes promotion. You can't go to work and, and you're slacking on the job and then expect them to promote you. And when we go out in the world, we need to be intentional and be diligent. I know it might not be your dream job yet. I know you're maybe a student. You may be a student and then you're just doing the job to get a paycheck, but it's not your dream job yet. But the habits of being diligent and effective at work, the habits of being on top of it at work will follow you for the rest of your life. If you're not, that's why Jesus says in, in Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with a little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with a little is also dishonest with much. And we have to understand that ultimately promotion doesn't come from man. Promotion comes from God. So I know sometimes you can be at work and you're like, yeah, that, 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 that dude in the office will never give it to somebody like me. I saw three guys get the promotion. They're not better than me, but the only difference is they're guys and I'm a lady or they're this race and I'm that race. But that doesn't matter. You know why? Because ultimate promotion doesn't come from man. It comes from God. So maybe they don't want to give you here, but God will see your work and God will lift you up. Because to be diligent and effective is to be according to God's own heart. You look at all the men of the Bible that God uses. God says, woe to him who does the work of God with negligence. But as a representative of God in the marketplace, they need to see you diligent and effective in what you do. That doesn't mean you're perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. But that means that you're, when you make a mistake, you're intent on solving it and making it better. And what you have to understand on the professional side is that everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. A, a tip, Caleb, if I say the same thing three times, it's a hint. Everything changes. Amen. Everything changes. Albert Einstein said, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. If you're going to be a professional, if you're going to be a business person, if you're going to be a nurse, if you're going to be a dentist, whatever your profession is, you need to have the intent to grow. You need to have the intent to become better, to always become better and to always improve. If you see at your job, spot something that is not functioning right and make it better. You see that chart that you see? Those are the top companies. So the first column, and you can't see because it's too small, but the first column is is the top companies in the early 1900. And then the middle column is the top companies in the 1960s. And then the, the last is the top companies in the two, uh, 2017. And you know what you'll notice is that most of them are different. The top companies that were there, so think about Amazon, right? Like when I first came here, we weren't talking about Amazon. And they existed. But they weren't dominant like they are now. I remember I had a phone and it was um, a little poop. And I think it was a Nokia phone, right? So when I came, the first phone I bought was a Nokia, right? Nokia was on top. Now where's Nokia? Where's Nokia? Now back then there was no Facebook. It was MySpace. Where's MySpace? Now everything is Facebook. And then some of you say, well, what's Facebook? Because you always move on to something else. And what you find is that everything changes. And if you do not adapt with the times, you're going to be left behind. So you have to be intentional, always growing, always growing. It's funny because there was a dentist, right? He went to Japan 
And in Japan, he learned to do a dental procedure. He came back to the U.S. He, in the U.S. now, he's the only one that knows how to do it. So guess what? He gets to charge the big bucks because nobody else knows how to do that. So he went out of his way to acquire new knowledge to be more effective in his workplace. So always try to be more effective in the workplace. And, 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 and if you have that attitude, they can send a pandemic at you. They can send X, Y, Z at you, but you can adapt because you're always in that growth mindset. You know, as a church, we had to adapt. As a church, we had to adapt. Out of the blue came a pandemic. In January, they told us it's anything, no, nothing. Like the, the scientists, I don't know, it doesn't even transmit from human to human. It's nothing. And in March, we're closed down. Boom, it's closed. As churches, we had to adapt. We did not change the message, but we had to change the method. The message remained the same. Salvation through by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. That always stays the same. There is no other name that was given under the sun by which we shall be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ. So that message will never change. I don't care what they say. I don't care what laws they pass. Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me, period, point blank. But the method, we had to adapt. We had to change. And I was talking to um, a friend of mine that does websites, right? And he was saying, you know, Dave, you guys, Redemption, you're like 80% ready. And that was at the beginning of the pandemic. You guys are 80% ready. But I have churches, like they're like 2% ready. And I'm trying to get them ready to be in that new reality. Times change. The only thing that is constant is change. There's always change. You need to be able to adapt. You need to be able to be diligent about growing. Even professional, like me, I'm an accountant, and we have to do continuing education. Continuing education all the time. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's a drag. Like you got to go back. But guess what? It's because they want everybody to in the profession to always be knowledgeable about the next, about the 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 most accurate information. So you always have to train yourself. You always have to grow. So professionally speaking, you need to be dil diligent and effective in your growth, in, in your input at your company wherever you work. So be diligent and effective in your physical health, your body relates you with this world. If the body hurts, everything stops. Everything stops. Like you can work 10 hours a day. Doctor calls you, says we found something. Everything stops. You're in the hospital. You're in the hospital. And all this stuff. And my mom was telling me one day, a nurse working hard, 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 hard. Like she's at the off at the clinic all day. She got cancer. Nobody ever went to see her. None of her colleagues went to see her. She gave everything at work, and work didn't even go see her. So take care of your body. Take care of your health. Take care of your professional aspect, your finances. Be diligent and effective in your... But then we continue in the passage, verse 7. It says, as they danced... They sang, Saul has slain his thousand, and David his tens of thousand. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get 
but the kingdom. And from that time, Saul kept a close eye on David. Be diligent and effective about your spiritual life. Be diligent and effective about, and you see, when you look at Saul, Saul's ultimate downfall was that he cared more about what people said than what God said. And if we would have had the time, we would have went in the previous chapters when Saul sinned against God and God, the prophet came to him and God told him, God told the prophet to tell Saul, you sinned and Saul did not repent. God saw Saul said, oh, anoint me so that the people can think God is still on my side. So he really didn't care that God was on his side. He cared only that people think that God is on his side. And that's kind of like the people, you know, when you come at church and Christmas and Easter, right? You got a suit and the tie so that people think, but the suit and the tie mean nothing. What means something is your relationship with God. And that's what David understood. David says in Psalm 144, verse 1 and 2, it says, Praise be to the Lord, my rock, for who trains my hands for war, my fingers to battle. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. David understood that when he goes to battle, when he goes to fight, the one that makes him apt to fight, the ones that makes him effective to fight. Now, don't get me wrong. God cares about your diligence, but God is the one that makes you effective. And, and David understood that every battle that he took, every fight, it was because God had given him the skill to succeed. And God God has given you skills to succeed, but you don't need to compare yourself to other people. You don't need to compare yourself to what she's doing and what they're doing. Oh yeah, maybe your high school friend, they're further in life than you. They got all of this. So what? That's not the path that God is taking you on. You need to be focused on what God is telling you and what path that God is telling you. And that's what Saul didn't understand. He's looking and he's seeing the ladies and they're, they're singing praises and they're singing, oh, he got a thousand, but David got ten thousands. But what Saul didn't understand, if we go further in our passage, um, so verse 14 of chapter 18, it says, in everything he did, David had great success because the Lord was with him. So you don't need to be worried about what God is doing with somebody else. You need to be worried about what God is doing in my life. Because I know if God is with me, I will have success. There's somebody who said, when I work for God, I fail. But when I work with God, I succeed. You need to be worried about working with God. You need to be, be you know, something mind-boggling in Scripture is the Bible says, the Bible calls us co-workers with God. Co-workers with God. Now, understanding that the God that created the universe wants to create something through your life. I don't understand that. I, I can't understand that. Like, I can only accept it, but I don't understand why the God of the universe, the one who created everything, the one who made the seas, the one who made the mountains, Mount Everest, Mount, mountain Kilimanjaro, all of those beautiful sites. He made all of those, but he says, Dave, I want to work with you on something. Imagine in your field of activity, I don't know if you're a business person, I don't know if you're a nurse, I don't know if you want to be a politician, but imagine in your field of activity, the top of the top of that field, if you're a basketball player, maybe LeBron, Steph, Curry, whoever, and they come to you and they say, hey, I want to work with you. Hey, I want you on my team. Aren't you going to bring your A game? 
If I'm there and then this big firm says, oh, we want to, you have to bring your A game. Because you're with the best. And that's what they say when we talk about sports. They say some of the icons of sports, it's not because they were only good themselves. It's because they made everybody around them good. But God, Jesus is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. It's not Jordan, it's Jesus. And so he wants to be co-workers with us. And David understood that. So David, in everything that he did, he consulted God. If you would read the rest of the book, you see whatever challenge that David faces, he consults God because he understands that success doesn't come from men. Success comes from God. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, the Lord is with you. Because receiving Christ means Jesus comes in your heart. Jesus is with you. And he wants to create something through your life. For those of us who, 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 maybe you graduated high school, you went to college. I know when, when, um, when I was studying accounting, right? You had like some big bricks, some big books. And there was something you do, um, so I wanted to, actually, I wanted to come here, and I applied for a school, and we knocked on that door, we knocked on that door, we knocked on, and that door was closed. Like, the school said, yes, you can come, we accept you, but they wouldn't grant the visa, right? And so that door closed, and my mom told me, he said, Dave, you, you have to go to school, you cannot just do nothing. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to school, and I went to university, and I looked at the two programs, and one looked... And my personality is I like it easy. I like the easy road. Don't bug me. Don't, 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 don't. But this looked too easy. So I went for the hard road. I went for the one that looked like it was more challenging, which was accounting. So I went for accounting. And there I learned about the CPA exam, which is like the, the certification for here. So I went and did that. And that exam is intense. It's intense. And people from all around the world take that exam. And they say it's the second hardest. And I have no idea if that's true. I just know that, you know, I, I took a month off of work. I went to see my boss. I said, I need to take a month off. They gave me a month off. And then I had bricks. And then you got to study the bricks and the flashcards. And the only other activity I even, I said, God, for that period, only a little bit, you know, I'm a, I, I delegated my teaching duties at church. Now, I don't advise that, not for long, but for a little bit, just to focus on that thing. And study, 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 study. And the only thing they said you should do is exercise, right? So I went to the gym because exercise helps what? Helps your brain, your remembrance. So you take care of your body, and your brain is part of your body. And so, and I did that. And that was bricks this big. And, and, but I'm not alone. If you're a nurse, you're doing the same thing. You're studying all of the different, you know, uh, medicine and prescriptions and all of that. You're studying all of that. If you're business, you're all studying marketing and all, and you study hard for the stuff that matters to you. And the bricks I had were like this big. The Bible is that big. The Bible is that big. Now, what purpose does it serve if I have the best job in the world, but when I get in front of heaven, I'm rejected? What purpose does it serve if I have all the money in the world, but then I don't have peace in my heart? What purpose does it serve if I have all the, even the health in the world, but I don't have uh, health in my soul? 
And so being diligent and effective in your spiritual self, because you're spiritual first, you're a spiritual being first. You can lose a job, God can give you another job. Actually, you can lose a job, God can give you a better job that gives you double for your trouble. But if you lose your soul, then you have nothing left. So you need to be diligent and effective on your spiritual self, on your spiritual life. And how do you, it's funny because how do you feed your spiritual self? How do you grow your spiritual self? Well, the same way that you do your body. Your body, you feed, you do what? You have to have nutrition. You put good stuff in so that you can get good stuff out. The same way, spiritually, you need to put nutrition, which is the word of God. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, by all words that come from the mouth of God. So that's number one. And, and like for physical, they do all those complicated studies for something very simple. And sometimes we expect, spiritually speaking, something very complicated, but it's simple. Study the Word. Study the Word of God. That Word is alive. That Word is alive. And you might not realize it. Sometimes you you read it, okay, maybe it's like boring, but that Word is feeding your soul. The same way you eat broccoli, broccoli don't, don't feel good. Some people I know like broccoli, but a lot of people don't. But guess what? They say broccoli even changes your DNA in a way that is positive. Your your very cells are changed by good broccoli. Your soul is changed by the word of God. So you need to have spiritual nutrition. And then you need to have exercise. Exercise what? Ministry. Serving the body of Christ. Being at service to others. Being of help to others. Whether in the context of the, the context of home. But to be exercising. Spiritually speaking. You cannot be a super Christian just alone in your home. And for those of you watching us at home from the comfort of your bed, y'all need to come back to church. It's time to come back to be with the people of God, to grow with the people of God. So you feed with the word, you do exercise and ministry, but then you need water and hydration. Water and hydration, that's prayer and worship. You know, when you worship God and you're just in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit come like a sweet, sweet water and cleans your soul. And now you cannot replace that. You can't. There's something about worship. There's just something about worship. When Paul was in the middle of the night in, in jail and he was in chains and he was all, they beat him up like, like with the, you know, like, like, like you see in the Passion of Christ. That's how they did it back then. And in the mid, the Bible says, Acts 16, in the middle of the night, Paul and Silas started praising God. And when they started praising God, the prison started shaking and their, their chains broke. Maybe you find yourself, spiritually speaking, where you, 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 you feel like you're in chains. You feel like you're, 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 you're blocked. You're stuck in life. You, you're no, you don't know where you're going when you're trying, you're trying, but you feel like you're, you're, you're constrained. You're, tick, stop, stop and just worship. And you'll say, God, you know what? I'm just going to stress you and I'm just going to worship. And I'm just going to praise you. And, and then when we read Acts, we realize when the, the guy was guarding the jail, saw that the doors were open, he took his sword and was going to kill himself because he thought everybody left. And then Paul says, no, don't do that. We're all here. And now and you realize that the whole miracle wasn't that God had them 
to leave the problem is that God came inside the jail. God came inside their problem. You might be in a situation right now. I don't know what you're going through, but take a time, just you and God. Maybe you just take your bike, you go in the, um, in the park and you just put your headphones and you just worship. Maybe you just find a, maybe you're just in your bed because you know the house might be, uh, you're just in your bed. Nobody knows, but you're worshiping. It's just between you and God. And when you do that, God comes in the problem. It's like water. God comes in. And when God comes in, he takes care of business, which brings us to the last one, sleep and stress management. There's a, there's a saying that says, too blessed to be stressed. At a certain point, you need to trust God. You need to say, okay, you know what? All that anxiety, all those troubles that I have, God, you take them. I can't take them anymore. I know I, they're on you. They're on you. They're not on me. I don't have to worry. So you can you can sleep at night. You can sleep in peace. You can sleep at night because you know that he's in control. And, and now I'm not going to stress anymore. I'm too blessed to be stressed. God, I'm just going to lift it up to you. You see the cause that they're having. I, I, I bring it to you. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, but I bring it to you. So you nourish your soul with the word, you exercise in ministry, but then you water your soul with, with prayer and worship. And then you rely on God. You, you rest in God. You rest in God. You know, it's, um, in six days, God created the earth and the seventh day he rested. But that's a symbol. It's a symbol for what? For us to understand that we can rest in him. That we have rest in him. Your soul might be worried. You might be anxious. Take a breather and rest in God and let him take control. Whatever situation is happening, whatever sickness is in the body, whatever relationship, let him take control. Rest in God. You don't compare yourself to other people. You compare yourself to Jesus Christ. You compare yourself to Jesus Christ. That's who, that's, I don't, I don't need to be worried about other people. I don't need to be worried about this guy. I don't need to be worried. I only need to be worried about one. I only need to be worried about one. And that one is Jesus Christ. In Hebrews, he says, therefore, since we have a surrounding by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In, in, in Hebrews 11, he tells us about all those nice, all those Men of faith, it's called the Hall of Faith. All the people of faith in the past that have done great things. And, and they're like watching us now. And he says, as you see that cloud of, of witness, don't worry about them. Don't worry about, but fix your eyes on Jesus. And run the race with diligence and effectiveness, with perseverance. Run that race. Run and keep pushing and keep pushing that race. And that race like Jesus got him to the grinder of the cross. Got him to the grinder of being mocked, killed, and and, and nailed to a cross. But guess what? He rose again. The same way, like you can go through a grinder, but guess what? God will rise you again. And he put Jesus at the right hand of God. and, And he will rise us up. 
Sometimes you go through something, don't worry about it. Let God do his thing. Joseph went through all of it, but God raised him up. David went through all of it, and God raised him up. God has not forgotten about you. God has not forgotten about your situation. Trust him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, it's funny because if I compare myself to that guy, I think I'm good. If I compare my, myself to that guy, I think I'm bad. But guess what? Compare yourself to Jesus. Always look at Jesus because he's the model. And if you look at Jesus, you're always going to strive to be better because there's nobody better than Jesus. Jesus is the best there was, the best there is, and the best that there will ever will be. So focus on him. And we're going to close with this passage that I want to give to all of us as an encourage, en- encouragement. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul makes the argument for resurrection of the dead. Meaning that when we pass to the other side, it's not the end. It's just a passing and God will raise us and we will be in the presence of God. And worship team, you guys can come because we're going to close. And, and at the end of that passage, Paul says this, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Always give yourself fully to the labor, to the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain. I don't know what you're going through right now. And I know maybe being a Christian might be harder in these times. And, and, and I have to give you fair warning. And that's what we're talking about in Bible study. It might even get worse. It might even get tougher to be a Christian. But you need to understand that when you labor for Christ, whether in the church or at your job, understanding that when you work at your job, you're working for Christ. Because you're his child. You're his representative. You're working at, I don't know, you're working at McDonald's. You're working for God. You're work, working at the uh, a big company. You're working for God. You're working in your own business. You're working for God. In That labor is not in vain. That labor that you're doing, that work that you're doing, God has put something on your heart and you're working hard at it. And it's hard. It's hard. But he tells you it's not in vain because Christ sees everything. And one day he will say, come, enter my faithful servant. And that's what we want. At the end of days, when it's all said and done, I want to hear the voice of God says, come, my faithful servant. So be diligent and effective in everything you do. God bless you.